Hi, I'm Cam. And I'm Katie. And this is the Nerdbook Review. Today we're going to talk about the fifth season by N.K. Jemisin. Before we get into the meat of our podcast today, just give a little bit of a warning that this episode will include an awful lot about the world that Jemison has created. We're not going to get into plot lines, but we are going to talk about the people, what they do, and the world, and the reason why what the people do is important. Yeah, and so there's no real spoilers to the story, to the plot line, just about what's going on with the rest of the world. Yep. All right, so I will go ahead and read the book cover synopsis. The Goodread synopsis. The Goodread synopsis. A season of endings has begun. It starts with the great red rift across the heart of the world's sole continent, from which enough ash spews to darken the sky for years, or centuries. Or centuries. (laughs) (laughs) It starts with death, with a murdered son and a missing daughter. It starts with betrayal, and long dormant wounds rising up to fester. And it ends with you. You are the stillness. A land long familiar with catastrophe, where origins wield the power of the earth as a weapon and are feared far more than the long cold night. And you will have no mercy. Very well done, dear. Very well done. So. <laughs> as I'm I'm joking with it and then a murdered son. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So let's go ahead and give our own takes on it. So mine is, is that it's a broken world and inhabited by broken humanity who lives under a broken social order. And the Origins possess X-Men-like power, but they are hated and feared for that power, just like in the X-Men movies. And the world is going to be literally ripped apart by a massive earthquake slash catastrophe of epic proportions, and people are about to be screwed. Yeah, pretty much. That sounds about right. And I'd say that, I mean, like the X-Men, they're feared and hated, like you said, but their abilities are not unknown. I mean, they, if you're an origin, you have these abilities. They're basically defined. They've been around for, I think, centuries Millennia. even. Yeah. Well, we don't really know how long this has been going on. There are different accounts. You know, they, they don't really trust how long things are said because histories don't survive very well. But the Sanzet Empire, which is the empire still mm-hmm. there, has been going for thousands of years. Yeah, but I wouldn't say... And it's the yeah. whole... Yeah. And their whole yeah, basis right. for power was that they learned how to control the origins right off the bat. And that's that was when they first became powerful. Yeah, because they're definitely an advanced species. But they were... They basically said, well, we don't want to go extinct because these people... Just like in the X-Men, when a, a race comes around that's adapted to the world better that has these abilities, what do you do? Well, you enslave them, teach them that they're not really people, and basically get them to do whatever you want and work as hard as they can for acceptance that they'll never get. Let's go ahead and get a few of the details about the book out. Mm -hmm. Um, It is the first book in a trilogy. The first two books are out, and the third will be published this fall and it has a legitimate release date yes you so can... there's no ambiguity in waiting forever no it can be pre-ordered on amazon currently uh jemison is our first female author on the podcast she is also the first african-american woman to win a hugo for a full-length novel mm-hmm. so that's a pretty big deal race definitely plays a role in this world 
I don't know if this is because she's an African-American woman or not, but race definitely plays a role in this world. And, I mean, it's not... Nobody seems necessarily like they look down on each other for their races as much as just for their origin genetics. (laughs) Yeah. But there are ways that they're better adapted and there are things that are more ideal and desired and certain racial characteristics that are considered more appealing. Yeah. And attractive. And yeah. So an example is, as we've already mentioned, the Sanzet Empire. They're basically kind of like a declining empire. So think old Rome. Like no one's challenging them for power. Mm-hmm. It's just maybe things are crumbling around them a little bit. Yeah. No but, one's able to really muster any strength. Yeah. Them or anyone else. Yeah. To really. Rule. Yeah. So the so Sanzeds are still basically in charge, or their their ways are still being respected respected and followed followed because Mm -hmm. they're good for business in general and they're they're good for survival yeah so yeah so the sanzeds are they're basically think amazon for woman like tall muscular same for men but a little bit darker skinned probably yeah i think only the people that were lighter skinned were from the arctics and the sanzeds were basically the equatorials yeah the they're and they're the ideals uh, even their hair, it's it's supposed to be able to like help. I think it helps keep the ash like out of your face, like, help you breathe, and it's also impervious to like acid rain and stuff. Oh yeah, they specifically say that that you can make a ma- a breathing mask out of sanzed hair. Yeah, I like think the they ch- call it ash blow. Ash blow, yeah. And hair. it's it's gray, ideally it? it's gray, but it can be other colors. No. So basically, think think racist, but actually important for things to be the ideal in this case yeah it's there's at least a a reason why you might not want to have children with someone that has thin blonde hair as opposed to someone with ash blow hair because your children's more likely to survive yeah and something so real quick i'll just say it and then um we'll go more into it but this is a question i actually have still Mm -hmm. so in addition to race things are broken down into class structure which Mm -hmm. is probably a bigger deal um, you're going to have people who specifically are cons- called leadership. Like that's mm-hmm. their their last name is leadership. Their middle name. Their, their last name is the name of their community. Oh, yeah. So you have your first name, your leadership, I mean your, your class name, mm-hmm. and then your community name. Mm-hmm. So leadership was one of them. Uh, Strongback was another. Obviously, that's the people who do the hard work. Mm-hmm. Was Breeder a specific class or was yeah. that just what people were maybe in addition to... There, I think breeder was a class, but you do something else Okay. within the community. During a season, you're a breeder, and you're chosen as a breeder basically because you have these characteristics that are really desirable. Yeah, and so you're more likely to be able to survive. Your yeah, ch- your and your children are going to be the ones that are going to survive the, the season and continue on. Okay. And I, I just really liked about this book because I'm really into world building is that there is a lot of thought put into the races and the characteristics and even the different cultures and the different comms and how they survive. And it, there's different architectural uses for your know, different structures and different areas. And she just really put a lot of time, I feel like, into developing this. And it makes the world so much more real to me. Yeah. One thing that I think helped me a lot was 
with there being one big continent Mm -hmm. and she broke it down into you have the equatorials which is Mm -hmm. where the the major cities are yeah and that's the safest the safest is the most stable area and then you know she described the people they're the generally the San Zed type people Mm -hmm. and that's where the big cities are and then you go to the midlats Mm -hmm. so I had an easy time breaking it basically in the thirds north midlats and and south midlats and those were not usually big communities or comms as they're called Mm -hmm. but they're they do well enough on their own Mm -hmm. and then you have the the artists yeah and so I think it was easy you didn't ever have to put a ton of thought into trying to get out of the story and figure out where things yeah. are. But there were also the coasters. Yeah. But they're also smaller because tsunamis and yeah. I mean, when you have tons of earthquakes, too. then yeah. you're gonna be you know have a problem with tsunamis. Mm-hmm. So you had to have a sheltered bay basically to be able to do any sort of mm-hmm. trading. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> yeah, so it was easy to it was broken down very nicely. Yeah. And so uh, about the classes, there are a few others, such as, I think, Resistant. They're the ones that figure things out. Like, they're the yeah. doctors and the ones that really think. Yeah. And then there, I think there are a few that they didn't mention very much. Because it, I think it said there were seven, something yeah. like that, seven main ones. And then some that aren't recognized, like Lorists, which basically teach their stone lore, which is kind of almost religiously revered survival to me. Yeah. Is what no, I thought it, it, of. I mean, it absolutely is. It's like a law. Like, yeah. you have to follow it. But yeah. it's also, like, opinions on how to survive. Basically. <laughs> yeah, it's less of a, a, a true religion as a, opposed to something that's worshipped because it keeps you alive. Yeah. Well, and it's because there's no there's no God, but they they call Earth Father Earth, and they talk about his anger, and I almost feel like, Stone lore is how to like not anger the Father god Earth. of Earth, yeah, and how to survive when he gets mad. It early on it mentions it says Earth, like real early. Yeah, so yeah, so I don't think we're not giving the spoiler away yeah. there. It's like in Leviticus in the Bible, there's a list of things not to do, like eat pork because pigs are walking disease vectors, and also includes like not eating shellfish. Well, the Red Sea is right next to Israel, and the Red Sea gets its name from the bacteria that grow, the algae, Mm -hmm. that cause the shellfish to be poisonous. So even if we're taking out, like, the religious element, like how this book doesn't actually really include the religious element, or like a real God, Mm -hmm. those are still good rules, just like in the Bible, whether you're including God or, you know, anything religious actually about it. That list of rules in Leviticus was good at keeping people alive, yeah, so no matter not what. Not eating shellfish was just good policy. Yeah. There's a lot of questions about whether stone lore has been changed or, you know, things like that over time. But sometimes these seasons that come along are absolutely catastrophic. Mm-hmm. Most like of them, half the population dies or, yeah, or more. more. Or more. So getting into the main, the main characters here, mm-hmm. they are... What are called origins, as we mentioned, they they basically have X Men like powers, and they're hated like X Men, but they all have the same powers. Some mm-hmm. of them have more. Some of them are more powerful and able to do more stuff. And it takes training. And it like takes they, training. They have to yeah. work at it, but it does seem that some people are going to be naturally have a better ability yeah. to it. They have like yeah. a knack for it. Yeah, but the origins they're necessary, even though they're hated, because. They have the ability to cause earthquakes and volcanic activity, but they can also stop 
the earthquakes and volcanic activity from happening. And that's kind of what their main use is when they're they're basically controlled by a group who... The fulcrum. The fulcrum, yeah. Mm-hmm. The fulcrum controls them, and the fulcrum saves them, first off. Most of their communities would kill them when they're children, when they find out they have the ability, mm-hmm. just out of fear. But the fulcrum's not exactly a good guy. That's pretty clear that we're not giving any spoilers out here, that this is a whole, you know, major thread of the entire story. Yeah. That origins are, they have to be broken. I mean, they're broken down, and then they end up broken and unhappy a lot of times because of the way they're treated. They're basically slaves anyway, so even if they were treated great, you're still a slave. Yeah, and they're not necessarily treated great. Mm Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the tech for the current civilization. I kind of had a little bit of mixed thoughts on this because for the most part, it seems like it's basically medieval type tech, right? They talk about having Mm -hmm. spears and crossbows. Yeah, I definitely mentioned crossbows. And and when they talked about Sansa armies, they called them the legions, right? Mm -hmm. It's only mentioned, I think, once or twice. So basically, you're dealing with medieval type tech, but they also have like electricity, at least a little bit. In some places, yeah. So... I think that maybe that's just something that they continued knowing or the Loris or somebody, the resistance found out again. Because something that's talked about pretty early on is that there's lots of, they call it dead dead sieve tech. Mm-hmm. That just is just hanging out. Just hanging out. Yep. Sometimes people know what to do with it and other times they have zero idea what to do with it. Because mm-hmm. some of these seasons, like we said, they can last, they last a hundred years. I think some have been described as even more. Yeah. And so most of them are less than that and most of them don't, you know cover the entire world but the ones that that have been that have been enough to take down entire civilizations Mm -hmm. yeah and i mean it sounds like we're giving away a lot but this is really all just world building stuff we have not really even talked anything about the main storyline yeah and it definitely like we said it varies by location one character describes where she comes from that you get a tub like made out of metal and you know you just fill it up with water but then in other places, you have hot running water for showers. And I think it might describe laundry services. And it doesn't really talk about food much. No. And that's something that I definitely want to get into a little bit more. To the, They never did talk a lot about it. I think they talked to, you know, about the green spaces. But mm-hmm. that was about it. But I, I, I don't consider this a bad thing. But that I struggled with the entire time. Is that it talks about huge cities. You assume millions mm-hmm. of inhabitants, at least hundreds of thousands. Yeah, right? at least. Because it talked about one of the coastal cities had like 60,000 people. And that, and was, that was... I mean, a, it was a huge for a coastal city, yeah. but it was not a major city in any way. So they mm-hmm. had to be some pretty big ones. The overwhelming sense I always got was is that this was like an old Western, <laughs> you know, with people like walking around almost like a red rock desert type setting or maybe mm-hmm. volcanic. And that clearly couldn't be the case. If you had a, a major civilization, there has to be, you know, complete farming areas. There has to be. Yeah. Well, and it does talk about the coastal city oceanic crop that had gone extinct that used to feed a ton of people. And I think it might have mentioned something that they were growing then, but it wasn't as much and yeah. as hardy. And they mention like some kind of melon at one point, but mostly and fish, but yeah. that it's cheap by the coastal areas and not elsewhere. So, I mean, it has to take a lot to travel. Yeah. And yeah, it does seem like they're all really small communities that don't really, it doesn't really describe any, I mean, there are farmers. Yeah. There, mm-hmm. And it describes the children as going to school when it's not harvest season. 
you know, you just don't really get the feeling for there being farms that they're going past when people are traveling. Yeah. But there has to be. I mean, obviously. Yeah. But I just, that's not the impression that I, like, in that's my not what mind. You visualize. That's not what I, yeah, as I've talked about in other ones, I, I tend to visualize a good story as opposed to feeling like I'm reading it. Mm-hmm. And I really just kind of, I got literally went to like an old spaghetti western you know in my mind like in terms of just how the the world looked you know mm-hmm. you know remember the old Clint Eastwood they're always like a deserty area that's how the world was in my mind the whole time I was reading it yeah and I kind of got that feeling too I didn't even really feel like I remembered them describing vegetation other than within the cities and in the larger city there's a big park type area and I think it's described as like a luxury but maybe it's just because it's not growing food. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Maybe so. Like I said, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that's how I pictured it. So, yeah. 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 So, so. <laughs> Another thing that I thought was kind of funny was that when we read The Prince of Thorns, I did not like the blurbs at the end of each chapter because I felt like they were trying to connect me to characters that were never going to matter in the book. Mm-hmm. Or at least they didn't in that book. And it just seemed like an artificial way of trying to develop these characters. That meant nothing. Mm-hmm. In this book, it had little blurbs at the end of each chapter, and I really liked them. They moved the story along. They were little bits of, you know, what they call stone lore. Mm-hmm. It was quotes from their h- historical texts that survived or didn't. And just basic information about the world that I felt really helped me understand things. Sometimes it gave small hints as to what was actually going on. Yeah. And really kind of got you into the world better. Yeah, there, there's no question that, that they were much more useful. Yeah, it was just such a stark difference that in the other ones, it kind of bothered me how much they there was an emphasis put on these things that meant nothing. Yeah. Maybe they mean something by the end of the three. <laughs> I don't know, because I've only read the first book. Yeah. But in this one, I looked forward to them. Yeah, and that was something that you did mention to me, you know, while you were reading even. And mm-hmm. that, that made me think about a little bit more about them too. Yeah, because you were farther in the book and I'd be like, oh man, I like this one. Yeah. <laughs> like that's how I thought that it was. And then it told me it was. Like sometimes it was confirming things. Sometimes it was giving hints about like a little bit of foreshadowing. It was just a nice touch. Yeah. It's just such a stark difference when in one I felt like it didn't work at all. But the exact same thing in this other one really added something for me. Okay, let's get on to the recommendation, how to make us feel, who should and shouldn't read it section. (laughs) That's kind of, you know, a jumbled thing that we do. How did this make you feel, Yeah, Yeah. so I I felt, I feel like... I feel like this is a sad book. book. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't want to put it down. I I mean, th- hi, dog. This is an amazing book. There's no question about it. Yeah, it's absolutely great. I, every night, wanted to stay up and read it. Yep. I got into it really quickly, and I really connected with the characters and wanted to know what was happening, and I wanted to help solve the mystery. Yep. So the story is told through three different point of views. And that is one thing that I really like in novels is when there are multiple point of views mm-hmm. because it there's always a cliffhanger. And even if you're really into one, by the time you're done with the the chapter that's in the way, you want that one to continue anyway. <laughs> and I feel like this one did that really well. Yeah, it, it did. 
that's something that it it's it's an amazing hook if it's done properly like at mm-hmm. the right they cut off at the right moment when something important is going to happen and you're just going to have to read the next chapter so just that you, to get back to it yeah yeah and you're up so late <laughs> but by the time you finish that chapter that you have to finish to get back to this other person you want to read the next chapter to see where that other person is too yeah so yeah. and i know that when it comes to hugos that politics can be an important thing in how they're you know selected who wins and who wins <laughs> yeah and even in who gets nominated yeah but this clearly was deserving of the hugo that it won mm-hmm. well written a solid storyline the characters are amazing they're they're fully fleshed out mm-hmm. all the characters they there's even characters that seem smaller they have things about them that really make them stand out yeah she does have tug on your heartstrings with with the characters so you yeah. care about them all mm-hmm. but let's let's be honest it will make you feel sad name of the wind which we just did is an uplifting story yeah, it's a little bit depressing because you don't know why he's depressed yeah in his present state but nothing like this yeah but i think that at its heart it's an uplifting story mm-hmm. of survival and overcoming overcoming obstacles, obstacles. creating you, your own fate yeah you don't feel like most people are going to overcome their obstacles and beat fate in this or, book. Or as they do it, they're losing things that... That are a big deal. Yeah, very important. Yeah. So we have to say this. This is a minor spoiler, but it's in it's how the book opens. So mm-hmm. you can't really call it a real spoiler. You're If you're going to read 10 pages in, you're going to know this. A child gets beaten to death by his father because he's an origin. Mm-hmm. And and you're in the point of view of, of the his mother, mother who is holding his you know beaten and bloodied body for like two days. Yeah, for two days because she's just catatonic basically. Yeah. So that's just how the story is going to open. It doesn't get more uplifting from there. <laughs> in yeah. fact, it might have more depressing situations than that. Also, yeah. possibly dealing with children. Yeah. So. Or just younger people in general. Yeah. So that's something that has to be said. As uh, as parents of a two-year-old boy, which is what the boy is that gets killed. I think he is three, almost four. Okay. So as as parents of a young boy, this is a saddening thing. Mm -hmm. Two years ago, three years ago, maybe I read this. It's a sad thing, but it doesn't tug on my heartstrings quite the same way. (laughs) So that's something that if you're a parent... Is going to tug, obviously, more on your heartstrings. Than or if, just if you're really connected to certain children. You yeah. Know? If you work with kids, if you're a teacher, if you have nephews and nieces that you love. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a little rough. It is. Multiple, in multiple points in the story. Yeah. So. So then as we do in every podcast, we talk about who should and shouldn't read it. So having just said that a child gets beaten to death early on, it's not like there's a lot of gratuitous violence or a lot. And there of, is sex. There is sex. But it's not it's not ever gratuitously described. No. There's there's a sex there's a scene that maybe you don't want young teens to There is homosexual action in it. Yeah. If that But but, but the, hopefully that doesn't bother you yeah. in having your children know that that exists. Yeah. So but if just as a aside, if if you have a younger teen you have to know your kid mm-hmm. of whether they should be reading this sort of violence or this sort of... Because uh, it's it's fairly graphic in its description. Yeah. And it's like we said, it's 
also about people that are treated like they're not people. It's about slaves. It's about... Yeah. But it's just... This this deals with some heady topics. Mm-hmm. And some... It's not just a slash and dash high fantasy book by no. any means. There's magic and... There's the prerequisite medieval type setting, basically, (laughs) if you want. But other than that, this deals with real topics. Mm -hmm. Societal ills. You know, it's a big deal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. But there's also a lot of mystery. And, I mean, once again, it's just a great story. Yeah. Beyond that. So, if that kind of thing doesn't immediately turn you away, then it's definitely worth reading. Yes. So. (laughs) So I'm going to rate this book a five star. I debated a little bit whether I would give it a 4.5 because of how I felt about the book sometimes. Like just how sometimes I read wanting to feel good. Mm -hmm. And sometimes even if I don't feel good, the story is so well done and so important and has such a meaning to it Mm -hmm. that it doesn't matter that I don't feel as good. Yeah. And so that's why I'm giving it a five star instead of a 4.5 like I thought maybe I would, even though it's a five star written story, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And I definitely understand that. It's, I mean, I just want to keep reading. Mm-hmm. And despite what's happened and how it's made me feel, I want to keep reading it. And there are so many things about it that I love. Like, I legitimately love this book. Mm-hmm. I did. So I would also give it a five. And I feel like maybe we're generous in our reviews, considering this is our third one and two of them I think we've both given five stars. Yeah. But that's because the last one was a book that we had both read before and knew we loved. Yeah, and it was one of review. our personal favorites. Yeah. This, the first one. This one, this is the first time we've read this story. So we didn't know that we were going to love this book or not. We felt like we should make sure that we read a wide variety of authors Mm -hmm. so we chose this book because it won the hugo and it definitely had some diversity when Mm -hmm. it came to the author so we this wasn't like something that we were like oh we've already read or we've heard great things about we just well and to be fair at this point i swear goodreads just recommends female authors to me even though just by chance of that's what's kind of out there most of my reviews are of male authors so yeah. I mean, if that's what I'm being recommended, that's what I'm going to see the most. <laughs> yeah. So I definitely plan on reading the next two books in this series. There's zero question that I want to finish this out. Yeah. And I'm I'm excited to read the second one. Obviously not right now because <laughs> we have another one planned for next week. Yeah. But the third one's coming out in fall, you said? August, I think. Oh, yeah. in August. So I've got plenty of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I might have to reread this one and the other ones like I like to do before a book comes out. I mean, it won't be as bad since I read it, but it's just the emotions. Like, it's just so good. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, one thing, if this series doesn't sound quite like your cup of tea, but what we've said about how amazing of an author Jemison is, Mm -hmm. then she has another series called the Inheritance Trilogy. You can actually get it right now on Amazon for, I think, $9.99 for the entire trilogy. It's about 1,500 pages long for the trilogy with a sweet little short story that comes at the end. Mm-hmm. Think more Greek-style gods that are that take an active role in humanity's life. A little more sex. A little more sex. <laughs> Definitely a little more sex. <laughs> but a lot more lighthearted and easier. I mean, the kind of read that 
you just zip on through and you have a good time with. Yeah, and I don't know if we're going to do a review of that one. I mean, I wouldn't call it a five-star series like I thought this book was, but it's it's entertaining. Mm-hmm. It's good. Yeah, it was a good so. time. Although I have heard bad things about the audiobook. Oh, so okay. Listen to a preview first to make sure you can handle it. If, if you're going to read it on audiobook, mm-hmm. I mean, listen to it as an audiobook <laughs> instead of reading it. Because yeah. it, it didn't have any issues in the editing of the... The actual novel. The actual novel, yeah. yeah. So our next book that we're going to be reading, for those of you who are reading along with us, is His Majesty's Dragon by Naomi Novik. I believe it's spelled N-O-V-I-K, so if it's Novak, it's spelled Novik. It's the first book in an alternative history series that's set in the Napoleonic Wars, where there's dragons, and they are used in combat. We've been watching a lot of the How to Train Your Dragon series on Netflix, so this seemed like a really good time to read something like this. Yeah, and just a quick little deal since we've started, there's just as many different types of dragons in this as there is in How to Train Your Dragons. I loved that part of it. (laughs) So I'll go ahead and read the synopsis really quick, just in case you want to know what you're getting yourself into. Aerial combat brings a thrilling new dimension to the Napoleonic Wars as valiant warriors ride mighty fighting dragons bred for size or speed. When HMS Reliant captures a French frigate and seizes the precious cargo and unhatched dragon egg, fate sweeps Captain Will Lawrence from his seafaring life into an uncertain future and an unexpected kinship with the most extraordinary creature. Thrust into the rarefied world of the aerial corpse as a master of the dragon temeraire, he will face a crash course in the daring tactics of airborne battle. For as France's own dragonborn forces rally to breach British soil in Bonaparte's boldest gambit, Lawrence and Temeraire must soar into their own baptism of fire. I really like alliterations, but that was... That got a little rough to read there with the breach <laughs> British soil in Bonaparte's boldest gambit. <laughs> Who needs Wellington stand? We got dragons in this one. Mm-hmm. You can email us at nerdbookreview at gmail.com. Yeah, please. We always would love to hear what you think about the podcast or any of the books, if you disagree or agree. You can also see some more of our reviews at the Nerdbook Review on Goodreads. And there's also a link to our website, which is nerdbookreview.com. No the, just nerdbookreview.com. Yeah, it took Cameron quite a few times of asking me that before he understood there was no the. So that's why he likes to say that, thinking that everyone else is going to have the same issue. Hey, it's tricky. (laughs) Thank you for listening, and have a great day. We're both, I'm think. I mean, I'm think. (laughs)